before he even raced a World Cup. He sold us beers, and then you know, he's the den and destroyer. And I made up his name, and I made up the word mullet bike as well. He made up the denim as destroyer's name. I, I was like the first one to call him the denim destroyer, and then suddenly he's the denim destroyer. He's carrying huge space. Look how fast he's going. Polar opposite of the conditions he won in Lords. Rain soaked Lords. Getting the last step down. The crowd is roaring. He is going to do it. He's going to smash the time. Downhill racer and our expert here today, Andrew Needling. Welcome back, podcast listeners. If you don't recognize that voice in the beginning, that was the voice of Sven Martin, our next guest on the show. He's a professional photographer and journalist. But we actually sat down and decided to do a bit of bench racing, considering no racing is happening now or for the foreseeable future. I hope you enjoy us going back and forth on what could have been this year. Well, he is the denim destroyer, isn't he? That's actually yeah, such because, a fitting because, name. Because, because I you. called him that. Yeah. I think Spoma says he called him that. And I'm like, no, dude, look at my vital caption. And then like the very first time I was in... I actually was in a vital interview with somebody else, and then I was I'm like, someone said something, I'm like, yeah, the Denim Destroyer, and then he was like, what? And then he became known as the Denim Destroyer. Yeah. For everyone out there, welcome Sven Martin to the podcast. Welcome, Andrew. Um, is this uh, a podcast, The New Enduro? <laughs> what, where Downhill is going to die? <laughs> podcast no, well, that, and... That, that that's I thought I thought it went from downhill to enduro to ambassador to podcast. Is that the current like? Is that the trajectory? But I skipped enduro though. I'm like ah. a trend. I'm a trendsetter. I skipped enduro. I and you've kind downhiller, commentator, ambassador, podcaster. But I you haven't really plucked bike things super hard so you've also like you haven't gone the perfect route you're still there's still ways for you to earn your keep in the industry andrew well the podcast was meant to start 10 years ago and i dug up the email that john parkin when they were filming for trek he's got an email in the subject lines the mic you will never buy well i'm going to prove him wrong because it took 10 years because that was pretty much 09 and i wanted to start a podcast then you do realize that in those 10 years, there's probably better mics and you probably should have not looked at that email. Well, yeah, I mean, I might have to re-research that. But another thing, also ahead of my time, vlogging. And I released it. Remember when you helped me film with GoPro and I sat there yeah. with Photoshop or whatever editing tool you helped me with and I made my own intro and I made a vlog in 2009. Imagine I'd kept that up. I'd be I'd be so rich like Sam Pilgrim. Well, yeah, well, you would have had to put it on YouTube and have a YouTube channel. I did at the time. So imagine I kept it up. Yeah, then you wouldn't be having to do this podcast. Yeah, but I mean, there's things like you've got to look in life what's sustainable. And I don't know if I can go out and ride tricycles three times a week like Pilgrim. He's done some crazy stuff. No, but I mean, he, his work ethic's crazy. I mean, we take the piss, but he's he's earned every cent. So, And obviously, this current COVID times... Like people like Brendan are having to knuckle down and jump in on the YouTube um, channels as well now, huh? Well, yeah, I, dude, he broke a windscreen. I mean, that guy. Um, yeah, but then he's he, like, then he's like, okay, if I break a windscreen, the video will get more views, which will build my following more, which will get me more advertising. At the end of the day, the, breaking the windscreen might have been the thing that like 
gets him like the payoff at the end of the year or the oh, end of next year. It might go viral. Yeah, I mean, it's, and, it's interesting and as times. A, and as if he can't get someone to like replace the windscreen for him because we know he's not going to do it himself. No, hopefully he doesn't do it himself. Um, he used yeah. to be sponsored for Vans. No, I mean, it's, yes, it's, it's yeah. interesting times. Uh, it's forced us to, and hopefully, you know, make, make lemonade from them lemons. And Brendan's clearly doing that. He's got a nice uh, property to do so. I forced yeah. myself to launch something thanks to the Hooked podcast. He said, well, you should do one. I said, that's funny you say that because it was an idea I had 10 years ago and I enjoy podcasting or listening to them. Yeah. And I've moved into that commentary role and I'm just, I, I can see how analytical I am and kind of, I'm a fan of the sport. I just want to see it grow. And sometimes I don't think we have a good enough look into the athletes and I'm kind of trying to get that rapport with them or at least show the listener that rapport we have and get some proper insight. Yeah, you you always read autobiographies and if you were early on to the podcast, not in Daniel, you were into podcasts which like makes you one of the more like intellectual downhillers, but which, which obviously is, is a, is a, is a positive, but do you think, do you think being too analytical or too, let's say intelligent can actually be a bit of an enemy at downhill? Well, it's a strong word, so I'm not, I'm not going to claim anything of that, but I definitely like to educate myself and analytical is fair. And I think 100% at the wrong time, it was a, a detriment to me. And I think at the wrong time, it, you either need to kind of, you know, ignorance is bliss and just get on with your riding. And there's no judgment. There's like maybe two types of successful riders, someone that's super intelligent and can manage that. And then someone that rides by, you know, just pure instinct. And if you can mix those, you've got a really dangerous rider. And I think someone like Greg is very street smart, and then he and he's and he's learned to mix that. Um, and then you've got someone that Brooke is just so instinctual. And then the more he gets experienced, he can start mixing that. So yeah, for my side, absolutely, it, it definitely wrecked some of my race results, overthinking things, overanalyzing, all sorts. So so it's not an IQ thing. It's more a. a an experience and an instinctual and whether you're highly intelligent or you're, you're, you're not, that's not really, it's, it's not, is that what you're saying? It's not IQ. It's, it's EQ. Yeah. I mean, EQ is definitely better, but intelligence can only help if managed correctly. And and then you ask me, I mean, the, the short of the long is it definitely, uh, hurt some of my, my race results from an overthinking, overanalyzing when sometimes you just got to get from A to B as, as fast as you can and you got to mm. shut all those things off. But I learned to manage it, you know, later in later in the career, work with Oscar Seiss and, and, and we, we decided to use it to my advantage up to a point. And that meant if I get to about qualifying and I'm happy with lines and setup, we don't speak about setup and lines till after the race again, you know. You know, mm. be be thoughtful, play with your setup, and then from a certain point, you need to get on with going as fast as you can from A to B and stop doubting uh, yourself or your bike setup. And I guess, and and with people, different things work for different people. I mean, you can't have the same. Palmer certainly didn't take the same approach as Nico did, yet Palmer came pretty damn close to toppling Nico here and there. Um, but yeah, two very different approaches. 
I mean, that's the brilliant thing about sports life in general. There's not one size that fits all. And that's what I love about it. About it. I think it's a, if you look at it holistically, and there's all sorts of categories that you need to be good at. But if one or two are not going well, like your home personal life, if there's a lot of stress there, that creeps into your racing. Or if things are not going well with the team, I mean, you can be as fit and as skillful as you like. And if the bike's not quite working and you don't believe in it, that's also going to influence it. So there's a huge holistic view to performing in sport and that is what fires me up and what makes me passionate and we're going to get into some bench racing because I mean it's COVID-19 we can't shy away from it you were late on this call you said you were sucked into watching something on the news about a monkey on a bicycle no so New Zealand's like basically the best country in the world with handling um COVID well maybe Sweden because they didn't even handle it (laughs) well if you call best best handling situation, massive amount of deaths, then, then you can go live in Sweden. But I think it's pretty obvious you'd rather live in New Zealand. Um, no, what, what I mean by that, we've got it going so good here. There's so much positive news that, that it's like, you know, everywhere else is just COVID this, COVID that, and, and deaths and deaths. New Zealand, we've got such positive things happening now that on the bloody TV, so I'm looking on the TV and the kind of the volume slightly down, and I see a motor, and this is the TV news, a, motor, a little motorbike, what, I shouldn't even know it was a motorbike, I just see this monkey enter the frame, it grabs this little kid, this little three-year-old, and then just something happens, and then just see this kid getting dragged down the sidewalk by this monkey that's kind of smaller than the kid, and then the newscast is saying, a monkey on a motorbike kidnaps kid, and I'm like, that was a motorbike, I was not dreaming, and that's what we got, so yeah, a monkey on a motorbike just buzzed down the street, smashed into this family, grabbed the kid, and just took off but who was driving the motorbike the monkey was driving the motorbike what do you mean is he from the circus dude google monkey on a motorbike kidnaps kid and that was what was on our fucking tv news right now but is it 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 didn't happen in new zealand no 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 no, nothing happens in new zealand it's pretty chill country Um, (laughs) but but what i was getting at is like covid times we got no covid news because we just got good news because we're from new zealand and we're 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 it's not like we are sheep and we obey our prime minister. Like the people choose to do things right. And that's what's helped us, you know. Um, yeah, but I mean, not to get too political, your prime minister is also allowing contactless business and allowing the economy to flow quicker than, than some others. Only like only for only like a week ago. So it's it, we've had like six weeks of full, full proper lockdown, you know. So anyway, that's COVID no, enough of that. No, but I mean, we the, the reason we're going to have this episode is because of COVID and we're not going racing in 2020. I mean, if you told me that when I was at New Zealand at Crankworks commentating and there was some exciting was- racing and I was just getting so eager for the for the um, season to start. And it's, I mean, we might only go racing if these guys are lucky in August. Think about that. Who won um, Crankworks Daniel again? Usually I know these at the top of my head. You well, should now know, you're put, yeah, but now you're going to put me on the spot. I was doing World Cup research all of yesterday. <laughs> dude, Mick, you should Mick, know. I'm teasing, it's dude. Racing, I'm, it's a last I'm, racing commentator. I'm him. teasing. It was actually Mick Hanna. Well, there we go. He's current, literally the fastest mountain Fast. biker in the world right now. In 2020? Yeah, oh, former, team, former teammate. I, I mean, I think no expectations, having a good time on his bike. He's just had another child as far as I know, or before that, so... He was obviously really enjoying having some full a full night's sleep before that race. 
Yeah. Yeah, he was like the first overseas pro I saw. He came, him and Manar came to Norber in the US in maybe 02 or 03 or whatever the, maybe it was later, the first year of um, global racing. And um, I just remember him and Manar just, just, just doing stuff on the, on the four cross or dual track, just big double, like, just like it was a different level of riding and, and, um, and I can't believe he's still like killing it today. Makes him a legend. I mean, I first met, no, I don't even know if I met him, but I first came across him. I went to Sierra Nevada Worlds in Spain. I was 15 because it was in June. It was Olympic year, year 2000. And there was this kid from Australia. And now I was first year junior and I went three years. You're not even allowed to go three years. So I was younger than normal. Yeah. <laughs> and there was this brick shitas of a kid on a Santa Cruz, whatever that bike was called. And he had no knee pads because it was too hot in cans to wear knee pads. And they were on a yeah. shoestring budget. So no knee pads. Like It felt like he was just in shorts and a t-shirt. I don't know what sort of riding gear he had. And um, they had perspex covering the derailleur because obviously he was so gnarly. He was breaking bikes. And, and I can relate to that. Fixing bikes in South Africa, you, you can't get the parts, number one. And number two, you can't really afford them with the exchange rate. So that was my first recollection of Mick Hanna. And I mean, look at the career he's carved out for himself. I think they still have to run like perspex on the derailleur. You do like 45 runs in a day down one track. And your mechanic, you're bound to clip it on something. Yeah, his record is crazy. I need to actually text him. He did this record of the most runs in a day, and I've driven this road. Now, there's a few things that need to go well for this. So he was eating in the car. His dad is a nutter, so basically it was rally driving up and down, which helped him get all these runs. But it's a, it's an uncanny number of runs. So man on form. <laughs> would yes. be Mick Hanna, right, coming into the first round. But a lot of guys chose to miss Crankworks because of the timing and getting back to Europe for jet lag. Yeah, well, yeah, it was too close. It was too it was close. Just a to, little um, bit close, which was Lisa. unfortunate because Loic was in New Zealand doing a bit of testing. Yeah. So let's get into Qu- some Queenstown. bench racing. Yeah, I mean, he was South in Queenstown. South, sorry. South, well, what did see, I say? South Island. Well, you said New Zealand, but South Island is like its own country because we don't like the North Island that much. Okay. Well, anyway, so he was in New Zealand. <laughs> I'm just kidding. So I think there's a few people that are going to be, let's say, who lost the most with the season being postponed. And I think Loic Bruni was man on form, world champion again, world series champion. I mean, he, but I mean, he did the most work and testing. We always know that. So imagine all the the work he put into being prepared for round one. No, he he's gained the most. If you look at everybody else in the top ten, which is the only guy that's dominated social media these last three months out of that top ten, except for maybe some of the girls which do a good job. Um, Loic Bruni, I would say, has gained more than anybody else in the top ten from missing these races. But that's a completely different ballgame. That's the social media game. But Loic Bruni is the only one that's working for his big paycheck. So Loic, hats off to you. Um, you are getting a, a bit creepy now and then, but you're you're earning your money. Well done. Well, I think he's just so he's just so depressed after putting in all that work and wanting to come back up that World Series title. I mean, he's finally figured it out. He wins three rounds last year. 
I mean, that emotional ending to the season, and then he takes a break, he resets, and then, I mean, you could see it, and there's there's almost pain in his voice when he speaks about not being able to go racing. He's definitely embraced it. I mean, that shows his work ethic. Yeah, I think the tough thing for these guys is is, is the uncertainty of when we're going to get back, and also a lot of these guys have been plug and playing and making tweaks as the years go on, and they know what works for them, but no one, no one, no one knows what works for their body in terms of like, do they just maintain? Do they go hard? Like, like, and, and for the cross country people, I'm sure it's even worse because they're more like susceptible to weird training fluctuations and, and they've got such low body masses. It's they're teetering on the brink of health. But for the downhillers, you know, like you got to maybe just do something like, like, um, Lucas Shaw is doing where you can see he's just riding his bike and having fun and just keeping the fun and keeping that alive. But like, I think that's going to be, you know, who's going to be mentally and gets the physical, like when racing gets said, okay, you know, we're probably going to have like at least a six or eight week notice to when we know we're going to go racing again, um, which will be tricky because some countries aren't going to allow their citizens to leave or come back. So, and that might not fall in like New Zealand's not opening its borders. If the World Cup's starting in September, I doubt New Zealand borders will be open by then. We might be able to leave New Zealand, but we certainly won't be able to come back. So that'll be interesting, but that's another another topic. But Loic also had the most to lose. When you are number one in both World Cup and World Champs, Like it's easier to train to beat and be like Loic than like like Gwen. Everyone, like I said, he they came to his level, and he was without a doubt the number one guy to beat. And they got to his level. So the, the game has been raised for the last, well, actually since the beginning of time, but the last five years especially, it's, it's just leapfrogged what you need to do to win. Um, you know, and everybody knows the mistakes. Like Troy and Danny have been right there, but like what do they have to do to leapfrog Amory and Loic, you know? Well, Troy, I mean, he's Mr. Consistent. So we'll get back to Amory. And we will come back to, you know, the twofold challenge of when the racing gets gets back home. But yeah. I mean, Troy, he's Mr. Consistent. He laid one down at World Champs. I think he actually rode out of his comfort zone within reason. And he almost deserved that win, but he got pimp, uh, pipped by, by Loic. But he's shown how consistent he is. He literally is top three in the world, most races, in the overall. And I think it's now for him to just trust himself and find that extra gear and go for those wins. Because... He's probably going to kick himself if he's just known as Mr. Consistency in five years from now. Yeah, I mean, they, they've got a new bike as well. So, and, and him and Aaron work well together to get that bike pretty much, you know, would have been designed around Troy, really. Um, so, yeah, he, he's, yeah, like you said, like, what does he have to do? Like, um, but then, like, he's not the same kind of rider as like Omri that when Omri ratched it up to another gear, like he's, he's going to win. It's a given, you know, Yeah. like it's, it's, it's a, but Troy should play to his strengths, you know, like if he's Mr. Consistent and he's a thoughtful rider, he's methodical and he, and he knows, okay, I'm going to ride at this level because I've done it in practice. Then maybe he needs to push himself a bit more in practice. So that he's his race run, he's done it before in practice. You know, I'm not saying he's not doing it. It's just he's got to work to his strengths, but find that it's yeah. not a lot. I mean, he's only. I mean, it was so close to winning world champs. It's not like he needs to find three seconds per three minutes or whatever it is. Like yeah. it's not much time here. 
No, and and it, you know, like like you said, do you risk? He himself said, like he, he's he doesn't he doesn't want to be consistent anymore. And you can see that at the end of last last year, he was going for the win. He wasn't going for the podium anymore. Um, but like, I don't know when you got someone as strong as Omri, and and um, I'm not comparing bikes, but obviously the bike works for for Omri. Um, like, it seems like Omri can ride a little bit more ragged and still hang on. It's kind of like, you know, like how Brooke can ride ragged and still hang on, and, and Omri doesn't let the ragged riding, where, like, Loic doesn't do that at all. Like, Loic's running a lot of the time, not all the time, but he's running, he's got the narrowest rims, and he's got, he ran the two, 2.4 DHR2 front and rear for a lot of his, like, I'd say three quarters of his season in the last two years. Um, he was on some different tires towards the end of last year. But for someone that's riding narrow tires on narrow rim to then compare that to someone like Omri or basically everyone else is riding rim that's three, four mil wider and tires that are 0.2 wider. That's like a massive different riding style you have to do to be running such a different setup just on tires and wheels. Yo, Amri's interesting. Sometimes I don't even think his bike's set up that well. But he's going back to 27.5 in the rear, it sounds like. I chatted to him when they were filming for Dog's Life out in Stellenbosch. So he said he's pretty much going back to 27.5 at the back, so mullet. And then maybe at Fort William will be at 29. And as far as I know, Troy might actually be on a 29er. So maybe he's able to push that little extra but feel comfortable you know, like, because he doesn't want to ride over his limit. He doesn't want to get hurt. He's not that type of rider. So you can't just force yourself to ride like Amri. That's not going to work for him. He's not going to trust it. So that, that yeah. would have been interesting. But Amri Piron, he wins three rounds last year. It came down to Danny Hart. So those two are almost, you know, I want to put them in the same bracket. It was the Loic and Amri season, and it was their, their race. I think, like you said, Loic had a lot of now pressure on him even more. Now it's like, okay, you've won the World Cup championship can you win it again and Amri's gonna be biting at his heels and then you got Danny Hart you throw him in the mix there okay look struggling to find that race winning speed I mean the French were just dominant but then he puts it together you know near the end so he would have been confident coming in and I think yeah you know his home life is settled he um I spoke to him we will launch that episode soon um or it would have been launched probably by the time we talk about this so his home life is more consistent He's married. He's got his first um, child. is is there? So do you think? Do you think having a kid? Do you think having a kid slows you down because at the back of your head, you have to be around for longer to provide, so you can't like risk a crazy crash in a t too fast race run. Well, I'm the last guy that can give factual comment on that, but he says he, you know, he likes it. Like he, he feels like he's got a bit more perspective, and I think he's growing up. And Danny, with more experience, is dangerous because. He's so skilled. He's got so much experience riding his bike. So, yes, it's a double-edged sword. Is he going to risk it? But he, he said himself, like, even back then, he didn't feel like he was risking as much. It just looked wild. Now the causes are the same, but the bikes uh, make you feel more comfortable. So maybe it's just going to help him put more things into perspective, have fun at the races. And, you know, like, I have heard that, you know, if you have a bad race, you're like, well, I've got this little ball of joy to go back to and it puts it all into perspective so it's a double-edged sword someone like cam zinc hasn't really slowed him down it's just pushed him harder to deliver for that family yeah but he also he also like pulled back from slope style and, and doing like some of the some of the crazy stuff i think i think what what danny needs is 
tough conditions on tough tracks. And then I would say he's more unbeatable than on a whole World Cup overall. And that's why he's had those two world champs or is it two or one Danny's got? Two. Two. Two, yeah. So that, and, and and that's and and that's just like he's the guy that can raise it that much harder, that much higher on a difficult track and, and difficult conditions. Um you know, I'm not going to say he's only going to do well on 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 bad tracks, but like for him no. to beat the other guys at World Champs and Leo Gang, like I think it's going to be a, a a tough one for him. That is tough, but he he can perform on Leo Gang, though. Yeah, little guys have learned to roll fast on on Leo Gang, and they and they figured out where and how. And I, I think I think the biggest guy which people are sleeping on is how injured Loris was last year. Like yeah. he finished. He finished fifth overall. I want to say with mechanicals, crashes, and injuries. You add those three things to any of the guys above him. Um, I don't think you know the, the other guys had a lot as much as what Loris had. You know, going against him. And his first round really hurt him in points. So he even he, even if he had a better first round, he would have been even further up the leaderboard with all those other issues throughout the year. Yeah, and then the other, I mean, he then he had a consistent top five, top six results the rest of the year yeah. on essentially like a wrist that was broken that he shouldn't have been riding. And then I also don't know why he waited. I don't know if it's the French health system or or he, he'll wonder why I even care or he probably doesn't even listen to these. But like he, he waited a hell of a long time to get surgery at the end of the season. He didn't just jump in in September and get or October and get surgery done. So that's kind of surprising as well because he could have had a longer off-season to build on it. Yeah, well, we'll never know. Maybe they were wanting to rehab it and see if they could avoid some sort of surgery. We'll yeah, have to well, get him on it, the podcast, won't we? Well, for him and for him and for Tony and Rachel and Cade and a few other guys that were injured, it um, it doesn't matter. They, they're loving what's happening right now. And um, I think Tony and Rachel will probably be ready if we start racing in end of August, uh, September, if that's even going to happen. Yeah, that's a blessing for them. Well, someone else potentially is getting to live normal life for the first time in 20 years, Greg Menard. But this year cuts his career shorter. He's not getting any younger. I know every year he surprises us, right? But now you've lost, you know, potentially in his head he's going, maybe I'm racing this year, next year, and I'll see how it goes. Now this year's gone. Yeah. So which is cool for the fans because maybe it pushes him to do another two years after this year. Yeah. And maybe it helps yeah, exactly. with his motivation. Now he's at home. He's living a bit of a, a normal life. He's active on social media. He hasn't done that, been home for this long in one place ever. I mean, and I, th- and I think it's going to motivate him because he's going to get sick of it. And he's going to want to go riding and racing and kind of get like that new hunger again. Dude, he, he hit me up last night. I didn't even tell you this, Uncle. <laughs> Uh, I was going to bed and then like I get a WhatsApp from him at um, literally it's like it's like almost midnight um, and I tell him hey dude I'll get back to you tomorrow he said no 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 Mongo I need him now he he like wants me to send him my five favorite photos of him like that I've shot over the last 15 years and he thinks that's just like an easy thing to do and he doesn't want to wait till tomorrow he wants me to do it now at 12am get out of bed um, and do it so so he obviously is still thinking about mountain biking or he's getting a lot of pressure from sponsors to like be more out there. But um, yeah, it, it's like, yeah, what do people like Greg and, and, uh, 
and G and Rachel and, and even Bernard Kerr and maybe Brendan, like that maybe they were thinking, like you said, this is their last season or their second last season. Like, you know, and, and like, how do you, if you train like crazy, knowing that it was your last off season of training, like Greg or them might've done, how do you like re-motivate to do that again? Like, you know, like, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's going to be interesting because those guys, for 20 years, it's, it probably takes a bit more motivation to get training than for someone like Loic that's just at the tip of the spear now, you know? Well, the, the training's one thing. Like, that's a way to build confidence, and Greg's always been really good at that. And I remember when I was racing, like, to go to the gym, yeah, it sucks. But And to go road riding, but it's easy. You just, like, get in your road kit. You go pound out your intervals. It's the most horrible thing at the time, and then you come home. It's super easy. You know what was harder, I thought? is sometimes getting motivation to go ride downhill, right? The same tracks you've been riding for 20 years at home, they're not that fun. They don't test well. So now for Greg, he's got to like re-energize himself to ride. But I am noticing him ride more in the off-season. You know, he's getting his dad to help him a bit with telemetry and stuff like that. And, and I think Greg's realizing that he can't just, you know, train and then get like race fit as soon as the season starts. So... He's also doing more riding in the off-season on his downhill bike than I've seen in a long time. So yeah. now he's got to do that again. He's done all that. Now he's got to reset, have another off-season, and then he's got to do it all again. So, But I chatted to him briefly. We're going to get him on here. You know, he's asking about Crankworks and the schedule. So do some of these riders, if Crankworks can go ahead, do some of them come out and do Whistler before that next race kicks off? You know, because that's a big international event. That's a good track. So those are all unknowns and those are all question yeah, you, marks that they're probably throwing around to their team managers. You said it's a big international event, which in my mind, big international sporting events are not going to go ahead, not not in August. I, I can't see that happening. But I know, it's a yeah. shame, eh? What a shame. So we'll see. And and it's all up to, like you say, the the Canadian government for that one, plus enough people being allowed to fly out of their country. Yeah. So, yeah, a lot of big unknowns. But, I mean, Greg took second at Gang. He was in and around, on pace again. Um, definitely not getting any younger. So, it's a bummer. You know, it takes another year out year out of his career. Yeah, but you're not getting any younger. But I've never seen him. Um, was it, I think it was 2017 when they got on the new 29-inch V10s at Lord and it rained. Was that 2017? Yeah, so he was yeah. – he was, he, he pretty much. No, no, that was seventeen. So he, he pretty much, like, yeah, because him and Jack Moyer and Luca and Loris had like three seconds. Like they, they were basically gifted two or three seconds when they were the only guys running the full twenty-nine and Daniel bikes, and basically they had free time on the hand, and that's why the those four guys were were up on the podium when when the races were straight. But um. I've never seen him at the back end of that season when he was pushing where it looked like he could win the overall and then he broke his bike and he um, popped – they had a bad batch of tires that kept pop bursting beads or something. I've never seen someone that motivated in practice where, where in a practice run he was giving it his race run effort and making – like pushing back up and hitting a section harder than I've ever seen him practice in 10, 15 years. So – Yes, he's getting older and running out of time, but I've also never seen him as re-motivated, rejuvenated as in his last couple of years. Like there was a time for five years before that where he was doing well just by grace of his skills, but I've never seen him actually bust ass this hard 
And that's probably having those the younger duo on the team with him. So I think, yeah, Greg still has it in him to not just be on the podium, but to take wins still. I agree. I think, yeah, he does get older. He's not getting any younger. But then the older he gets, the more he's like, oh, I'm this old. People think I can't beat the youngsters. And that's when you start betting against Greg, that's when he turns it on. So people might think, yeah, he's just, you know, resting on his laurels and, and kind of, what's it called, just cruising it in. But he's definitely not. No, he's got a. he's definitely got a bit of lopes in him. And he likes competition and is up for it and will compete on anything. So then we've got the the rest of the top ten we'll we'll pick through. Laurie Greenland, he gets, you know, Leger, he gets third, then he wins in Val de Sol. But other than that, he, he, he was on top tens. Maybe I'm being a bit hard on him because of what he can do. And maybe he's a bit like Danny Hart. He's not quite developed into the rider that can be fast on every single track. But he did go and take a, a great win in Val de Sol. He was third the week before. So he got that momentum in the begin, in the middle of the season. But otherwise, there wasn't too much to speak of. No, but yeah, but there, there's reasons for that. He didn't just like, that wasn't his like good run and, and then he got 15th um, or whatever the case may be. He's, he's not rushing things. He's like a little bit like, he, he looks chilled, but inside he's not chilled. And But he's also enjoying life and the process and he's got the team around him like he wants and he's seen what's what Loic's done and how it's working for Loic and um, he's basically investing in himself and investing in the team and he's a guy he was up for contract renewal and from what I hear or gather and he said so himself rather than basically jump onto another team that's putting a higher offer he said listen it's not that I want more money, but you need to invest more money into this race program. And I want like a crew, whether it be people that do timing on tracks like like you know, like Loic has. But I think I think that's what he's doing. And, and that's a wise that's a wise decision. You know, it's very easy in this short young man's sport to to take a nice um a bigger paycheck when you've got so few years of making money, unless you're a Greg Menard or a McKenna. And invest in himself, and and have someone like people timing on the course, or or training, of or, or, or all the other things that make you fast. So, I think, um, you know, and and everyone they've been kind of in between with, like you said, going mullet and full twenty nine er, and Laurie, like like Loris is is, is um, slightly shorter on side. So the bike setup has been more crucial for them, and and I think. I only see Laurie's like seventh last year. I, I definitely see him going up in that and going up as in like I see him going. Well, although then you look at everyone that's that's ahead of him and quicker than him, and then it's hard to say that he can go up. But I yeah, think but like – That's what I mean he by he can win Val de Sol. Maybe I'm being hard on him, but that's because I know if he gets a few of those things to click and, and investing in himself and the team is super smart at that age to yeah. have that, that, that reflection and understanding. So – I'm almost like I want to. If I was buying stock, I would buy Laurie Greenland. I think you'd get him at a decent price, and maybe, maybe develops into that rider that that when everything starts clicking, he's there most weekends. Yeah, it's just it's just so hard. There's there's a lot of tracks that, that I don't know. He also like like Danny needs more difficult tracks. I feel to to um, showcase his skill and 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 get that that that. That you know, spot in the podium and the, in the top three, 
probably will go hand in hand with with on a on a more on a tougher track for Laurie. Yeah, he does Which, need I mean, those, those steeper tracks and he needs to learn to sort of carry more speed. He's a smaller, lighter rider. And I think with training, bike setup, believing in himself, I think it will start coming. Yeah, I mean, he's been around quite long enough. I think they've literally just landed on a good setup. And if he does a couple of those other things, like he's going to be on more podiums. Speaking of podiums, Mark Wallace... David Trimmer, who we'll get to, Dean Lucas. These are guys, Dean has had podiums before, but just he was super well-rounded, bunch of top tens. David Trimmer, breakout year from a sixth. These are guys that kind of need to, now Dean, maybe get back on the podium. Mark Wallace, he's floating around getting six, seven place. It must be so frustrating to not get that podium. Yeah, I mean, Dean Lucas, for sure, the... Uh the weirdest guy on Instagram the last six months. Have, have you been following his... Uh... Yeah, Brendan was like, I think he's lost his mind. And, I mean, people deal with these things in different ways. So he's obviously just being himself, no, he's... letting it come out. <laughs> he, he, no, he's, he's being himself. And, he, and he's like, he's all like about being Mr. Positivity, which is which is like a super good thing. And, and I think it looks like he's super happy and it's working for him. So like maybe this newfound like hippiness freedom or, or whatever he's um going through uh like i think i think it can only be good for him because he's like looking like it's enjoying it um but like he's he's one of those guys kind of like him and charlie they remind me charlie harrison they're similar but different because charlie's so damn strong um it, it it's like they they fast but like i don't know how they so fast um so they have this innate ability and skill but um well i mean like, dean lucas he's just all rounded he works hard at his craft he's dedicated he he prepares well and that's why you see his results being quite consistent and he has had podiums when the track suits him and other things david yeah. trimmer breakout year for him that's awesome i mean for him it's a bummer he would have been on a factory team and then mark mark wallace deserves a podium but charlie harrison I'm I'm buying that stock. His first World Cup podium at Maribor, he has an injury, and then he comes back and gets on the podium later in the year. Yeah, well, going back to like the current top ten, I think I think David Trummer is like in as good as a place as he could possibly be in 2019, and I don't mean result wise. I mean headspace wise and enjoying what he's doing wise. He's doing bike development for YT, and he hasn't had the pressure of a factory ride although he has factory support and, and works internally with developments, I'm wondering if someone like that, and the same thing can be said for the Den and Destroyer, if you turn them into full factory guys, will they do better or will they do worse? So that those two guys will be interesting to see how, how it goes for them because David at this stage, like everything, how he, what he wanted on his bike and how he wanted to race and have his program and his pits, even though it could be like have other people doing stuff for him, maybe maybe that doesn't work for him, and and you know, or maybe he will thrive even more in the factory. So those will be interesting to see. Um, and and Mark Wallace, he's just such a solid guy, quiet but like like he's almost like the perfect number two rider, and he and he I think prefers to be the number two rider because he doesn't he wants the spotlight off him. Um, but like you know when you're consistently in the top 15 and in the top 10, like you've got to want more. And, and I think he's got to want it a bit more to be in the top five because like 
he's right there, but the the guys that are consistently in the top five are turning it a little bit harder between qualifying run and race run. They're just getting a little bit more time in between those two runs. Um, and and uh, I think Mark needs to like be a bit wilder because he certainly has a lot of um, Stevie Smith ability and wildness if he wants it. He's got the skill. He's got the skill to do it. I mean, he's just got to step it up that gear. I mean, if you're getting sixth and seventh or even top tens, the podium's right there on the on the right weekend. So, um, yeah, he's definitely got the ability. He has got the skill set and the speed is there. Yeah, I mean, being mentored by Stevie, he's seen what it takes. That the the catch for these guys. That's a brilliant point about David Trimmer going factory. The other thing is, and it's no discredit to these guys. When we now look at our wild cards, some of the names: Charlie Harrison, Lucas Shaw. Aaron Gwynn, Finn Isles, maybe even G. Atherton. Those are all names besides G that had crashes and injuries that are not in the top 10. So Mark Wallace, David Trimmer, Dean Lucas, or maybe wouldn't have been in the top 10 if Aaron had no injury. Finn didn't crash so much. Lucas Shaw didn't have the setback at round one. So that's going to be tough for them to to back up, or would have been tough to back up. Yeah, yeah, no. I th- sorry, I thought and you. And no discredit forgot. to those guys. You, you. I mean, you. You're forgetting the greatest rider of all time. You didn't even mention Remy Tiran, who's in there, and and Brooke McDonald, that was like just on a tear of confidence, and who was just seeing the old Brooke again. Um, another one that can benefit from this delayed start. Um, his goal to come racing in Croatia. I, I'm, I'm. Just bloody happy we didn't go racing Croatia because um, any extra time Brook can have will be will be better. But um, yeah, all, all those guys. I think like you know the, the Charlie, Luca, and Dakota. Like Dakota, I think is more a hot cold rider. Like at this point, maybe I loved saying this, and then they think fuck you, Sven, and then they prove me wrong, and he consistently gets in the top ten. But I think like Dakota, we've seen him like you know be around fifteenth and then be in the top like five. So, but then I see. Luca and Charlie, yeah, they're more the kind of consistent top five. Maybe Charlie's the – no one can ever replace Aaron Gwynn, but he, he's kind of cut from the same cloth of, of Aaron Gwynn. He's super focused and he's just a gentleman and he's he, – he like he, – he doesn't give a shit about other stuff. He just goes about his business. Um yeah, and and someone that's read like the U.S. guys didn't have a lot of people to look up to, and in their domestic racing didn't have a lot of people to learn from. So he's actually got to a pretty where he's at, and and some of his his highlight results he's had, um, he's got there really quick in in the grand scale of things, grand scheme of things. I mean, he has. If you look at the season, as I was saying earlier, so he gets his first ever World Cup podium and fourth at Maribor. Crap Fort William, which I think happens to a lot of people in the beginning. It's a tough place to do well. You either click with it right away or it can take some time. And then Leo Gang, he gets seventh. Boom, he gets injured, right? He comes back fairly quickly and still managed to get third at Snowshoe at the end of the season. So that's two World Cup podiums with an injury. So if he can carry on, like you say, with that work ethic and his single-minded focus on racing, he's going to be a danger man. And then the bummer, I think, is Lucas Shaw. He misses round one, and it's hard to come back you probably put so much work into the season and you just injure yourself at round one and he's battling to find that speed where he was qualifying fosters at multiple World Cups and then making some mistakes. So I think just with a little bit more time maybe now and he can reflect, I think if we can get this year going, Lucas Shaw just needs to find that that speed he had a year or two ago and he was qualifying so well. 
Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I, I think I think he's got to be scratching his his head a bit, but also I don't. I think he's also he worries less about expectations. Um, I think he's like a lot more mature rider, and 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 it's it's weird. This is a bit of a a blip year, as you said, and and if he had a completely different start to the season. It's like a momentum thing. It would it would all roll out a completely different way. Um, probably just the same way that year started um, when um, Lords reigned, and, and then it just turned the whole season on its on its head, and that like messed with a bunch of people's heads and confidence rolls. Um, yeah, but then like you said, our Charlie did so well in the first and the last, and they're both super muddy wet difficult races and there's a kid from like southern california that couldn't be riding in conditions the complete opposite it doesn't get to ride or train like that so that's like mental ability just riding conditions you're not comfortable in but still doing so well i like his technique as well i think charlie Ayrton's very stable on the bike and um, he's driving down with his heels he looks good you know he generates a lot of ground speed when he wants to as well yeah, no, the 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 Trek team, like they rolled the dice with such a young, inexperienced team, but then they like opened the season with like, you know, all the riders do, doing well, which is 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 a, uh, the gambles paid off, and that was just their first year with such a young team. So like, that, you know, hats off to them. I'm thinking if this year did start where it needed to, I think Aaron Gwynn would have been a lot better than last year. Yes, he got injured, um, but another year on the bike, done lots of testing. Look, he bounced back from that bad year on Specialized. It was almost like, uh, you know, deja vu. We'd seen the story before, and it was about to unfold again, I think. Yeah, I mean, I've I've seen the speed, like the normal Aaron Gwynn speed, where I've seen him in sections like, you know, during last year. There, I would say, yeah, like moments of greatness where I literally saw him coming through a section where I'm like, oh, he's he's back without a doubt. He's going to win or be on the podium, regardless of how well um, Loic and Omri and them ride. Um, he didn't end up, but like he hasn't lost his ability and people haven't surpassed his riding. It's just like it just snowballed, you know. Like they they had like a, a just a combination of things happening, and, and you know he needs to well he. He, he, he'll shake it off and um i think he's you know he's probably got the the biggest house out of all the riders and he needs to uh he pro- and that's a fresh that's a fresh new mortgage and under his current he time needs so to he's, pay, pay it off he needs to get those bonus checks yeah or you just sell a couple of cars but one of the two he's definitely going to be out of everyone above him he's probably the most motivated actually and he's not motivated because of the money he's motivated because he's sitting 20th like his first season ever in world cup racing he didn't sit 20th you know he's- yeah i mean he gets hurt mid-season but he wasn't quite where he needs to be and like i said i think what you spoke to if he just rattles off one big good event and he gets that practice speed over a whole run and he he gets back to he'll it'll be a bit of momentum and i think if world worlds happens this year i think he could be dangerous i know he has a terrible track record at Worlds, which is crazy to say. But Leo Gang, they might as well rename it after him with some of the feats he's pulled there. So if that race happens, and with all this testing, and um, you know no one else has races under their belt, he could be dangerous there. Uh, well, champs for sure. Um, yeah, he, he's he'd be he'd, he'd double down and and 
you know, he likes a stiff bike setup and Leo Gang, that means fast. So that's like a lot of guys can win at Leo Gang, but like that's one world champs where he won't have the rainbow. He won't have the curse against him. It'll be like level level playing field going in. Oh, what about Finn Isles? I mean, he crashes the first round and then he just never really gets going at all. I mean, it was a proper write-off of a season for him. If you ask anyone on the side of the course, Finn was one of the best riders in every section at every race. His results don't show it at all. But yeah. he, he's almost like he's he's like still like a, a college kid, like um, like probably semi frat boy sort of jock party guy, but also serious racer. So like he's he's too rushed. He he wants it to happen now. He wanted it to happen yesterday. He's wanting to beat his teammate. He's not wanting to get the best result from result for himself. He's wanting to beat people versus have his best run. And that's age and cockiness and youth. And like each year he comes back like three inches taller and like 10 pounds heavier, like, and that's just muscle and strength. Um, but when he gets his first win, then people are going to have to watch out because he's going to get a couple more. And, and he has the ability – even like this young, he, he has the ability to win, and and for sure he's, yeah, he 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 shouldn't, yeah, he he can be in the top five, never mind the top ten, you know. No, the potential is clearly there, and I I think it's something I noticed as well. He's he's outspoken, he's outwardly confident. Even Loic says, you know, I'm not even outwardly confident. I get confident from my preparation and all these things, and Finn's maybe forgetting the the process. You know, you got to practice well then you've got to put a qualifying run down and be in the present now he's just thinking Sunday I want to beat Loic and I'm just going to copy what he's doing and I'm going to smoke Loic and uh, he's forgetting about the process and like you say he, want, he wants it so bad and he wants to win so bad that he's you know there's a process that you need to go through in life and and I think you'll find it and he will be dangerous he will be dangerous and he will be quick yeah but it's, it's just so hard you know like how much is he gaining from like up until this point like heaps, but how much is he gaining by being Loic's teammate? Is he gaining? Is Jack passing on? Is Jack passing on all the bike setup over so that Finn's bike setup like Loic's? Is are they sharing the time? The timing is that for the team? Is it just for Loic? Um, you know, how hard is it being Aaron Gwynn's teammate? You know, how hard is it being uh, G. Atherton's teammate? Like, at, at some point. You know, like I, I said, um, Mark Wallace is someone that would prefer to be in that role, and, he, and he'd thrive having Troy sort of ahead of him, so to speak, on the team. But, like, what if you put Finn as your number one rider? Like, would he then actually deliver? You know, like maybe he maybe he would at this at this point. Maybe maybe he's like he doesn't he I, you know he wants to beat Loic so bad. Is that upsetting the whole thing? Well, if it's not getting to him and now it's going to happen he's the type of rider that's confident and wants to stick his head above the pile so mark wallace might enjoy having less expectations he just go on with his own business and fulfill hugely to his potential and then someone like finn yeah maybe he would thrive you know maybe sooner rather than later to be on his own and say you know i'm mm. the number one rider of this team i want all the the special goodies and go from there and back himself you know because he backs himself now anyway but he's kind of forced down below Loic and he's trying to like poke his yeah. head out and say well if I beat him maybe you'll listen to me and, and maybe there is some of that going on behind the scenes yeah see it, it works it works on a team like like Mondraker when when you've got Brooke and Laurie they teammates but they're kind of level when it comes to 
racing each other. They they equally they both equally could beat each other. One is not obviously stronger or better results wise than the, than the other. Um, and maybe even on on the on the on the trick team, um, you know, you, you've got you got Reese and and, uh, and Charlie. Like, it's not like a clear hierarchy. Who's number one rider? Who's number two rider? And and even to some extent, the same goes on the, on the syndicate team. So I think when you have teams where where the riders are are more matched, they can race each other, and it's healthy competition. Um, and you can like learn from a dominant rider, like Finn's ga- gained everything he can gain from being on the team with with Loic. But is is a certain time when, you know, just like Loris wanted to be out of Loic's shadow, you know, and he's got Minar, but there's almost such a big gap in age that it's not like it's not like he's racing Minar. Well, Minar's not the number one because the, the syndicate's like a family. It's not a one, two, three team. So, so I think like teams like that, it works well together, you know, and, and that's why you have good teams at gel like bernard kerr and eddie masters you know and and matt walker like you have healthy like that and and then you have the other side when you know like i said um where wallace want kind of is happy to be in that second rider role so it's yeah it's interesting the dynamic and that's like you know psych you know that's just not just racing that becomes psychology no there's huge and we spoke about it before and we will again the holistic view and looking at it as a whole G. Atherton, he's not getting any younger. I mean, he's one of the most badass guys with some incredible results. He's just not fulfilling that potential we know we know he can. And, I mean, I think that, but you know, launching your own bike brand has got to be a bit of a distraction as well. No, but if you see Greg, uh, if you see G's time training and quality results, he has the speed to be with the top, top guys. And I think just more recently, like last year, the lifting that speed and the pace from um, from quality to race, G has been a bit off, and maybe that's a slight combination with age, but then not really because Greg is able to lift uh, his speed from, you know, he thrives under race to lift it that much more. But G has had a lot of big knocks and, and head knocks and body knocks. So I think having this break, you know, more than more than any anybody else – It'll give like G like a clearer head, less impact injuries. He'll be sharp unless he like falls off one of those giant wind turbines that he's been climbing. Um, I don't know if you saw that, but uh, no, I no, think, I'll, go, I'll go look it up. Oh no, it got taken down because about a million people complained. He climbed one of those massive wind turbines that you get. You know, that's like the world's biggest wind wind. Yeah. He just climbed one of those with a selfie pole. So he one handed climbed one of those. During lockdown, just, you know, stay safe, stay local. He stayed local and he thought he was being safe because he's not afraid of hearts. But that's G for you. Like nobody else is going to do that, like using two hands and a harness. He's using one hand, no harness. So he's got like that loose screw that makes him so fast. And I think having this break without taking like this heavy impacts, I think he will be able to turn up the pace from quality to race and like like you said, like these guys that are thinking about which is going to be their last year, like G clearly loves racing. Um, and he's also not going to go out of the fizzle. He's going to like turn it up. So it's going to be like, I mean, you can see like G and Manar, um, who else is due for retirement one of these days, you know? Maybe like, shit, it's so weird. Gwyn's been here in the sport so short, but maybe like G, Manar, Gwyn could be the guys battling it up with those, you know, Loic and Omri and 
Troy and Danny. So don't count them out just yet, I, I don't think. And you know, but now we've got like we talked about twenty guys, and we just want to talk about the top five guys. But I think those guys, um, you know, and then and then you've got a couple like juniors that are moving up that that could be quick as well. Um, no, we'll have crazy. to do some more of these. I mean, Jeff, I'm not counting him out at all. I'm just looking to the psychology of it, and I think the break is key. And I think he just needs like that one podium to like reclick that confidence. Of course, he's got confidence, and he and he, he's obviously thinking about everything he did in the past. And if he just gets that one run, like you say, he steps up just enough to the finals, gets on that podium, yeah. he might go on a little bit of a run and go, okay, cool, I'm back here now because now you know he's he's back, he's safe. Then he's like, yeah. okay, I feel strong. Okay, cool. I can get top 15s, and then he now he's believing that's where he is, and now he just needs to show it to himself. Cool, I'm back in the podium, and then he can maybe even search for a win. Yeah, I, I, that's that's exa- exactly it, and and you know, um, getting on a new new bike and their own team. I mean, and they it's a different dynamic. They own the team, like the riders own the team, um, and they they employ their team manager. Their team manager doesn't hire them and tell them what to do. So so Dan Brown still is the man in charge, but it's hard when Rachel and G are the people that own the team. So you know. Um, so who the decides like, who gets paid what? Oh, that one is above my okay. pay grade. I'm gonna ask uh, you when I get him on you. Um, I know they don't like they don't live extravagantly, so they've they've. I mean, other people like are flaunting and and they get paid a lot and and they living large. Like these guys are still living in Wales and you know maybe they've got a whole real estate thing going on, but no, they live live somewhat simply and plowing it into the family and that's what they've done with the, the bike park that's like that's their you know so hopefully the bike park can get up and running and i know affy has been building like crazy so this lockdown only means that the duffy bike park's just getting better and better and better for for when it is is open and so all those distractions aside next year you know they're not starting a bike brand they're not starting their own race team they're not buying a bike park and building it and putting their, their all their life's income into it so so yes if there's none of that going on, can G bounce back with this break and gets his body and head right? I think, yeah, hell yeah. That's uh, that's great. I think that's a perfect uh, way for us to shift gears. Wouldn't be fair to not speak about the women because we had an incredible season last year. Unfortunately, it was there was just a few ladies, three of them, Rachel, Miriam, and Tane getting hurt. But I don't want to discredit Tracy because she went out there and proved to that she could win while those girls were still around. Two wins, and then I think she played the title race, and I mean she won her first overall World Cup series. No, Tra- Tracy's not like Tracy's not doesn't yeah exactly like you said she's not going to just do well when those three on on in the game, and and that showed it at Cairns um, when she you know almost won World Champs with the crash, and that showed at um, even Crankworks none of those other girls were there, but the way she rode at Crankworks I've never seen her riding like that and it wasn't because i was comparing her to the other girls racing in crankworks i haven't seen her she was riding better than most of the top 10 men at crankworks um doing stuff like making the bike ride like yeah it was a different like tracy hannah um and like mick and her together was it was it was a brilliant story but like the riding really spoke for itself so you know and, and marine um Oh, she she would have won um, Maribor, like hands down. Like she was the quickest in Maribor, and she crashed like right in the last sector or something. Like when they did that new team launch, um, December the year, so a year and a half ago almost, 
Um, you kept seeing that shot and they're all wearing the same and they were on the same bike and you literally could not tell, Brendan's going to hate me for this, but like you couldn't tell if it was Brendan or Marine on there. There's this like scrub step down into a steep chute and you were kind of like squashing off it and scrubbing it and she did it like better than the guys and you couldn't tell when Marine was riding. So there was no like a token girl section in the team launch video. Like she looked as good and better than the guys in some of the things. So like that... And I don't know how she made that jump from her riding the year before. Like, she just matured, got older, and got stronger, and, and dedicated just to being a full-time professional. But all those French girls, man, they're studying, they're working. I don't know how they do it because they like all through the years. Sabrina, Rago, um, they all like, and and even Pom Pom, they all like got physio degrees and and they biokinesis. They like amazing. So, yeah, I think I think with Tracy Marine. And then and then Rachel Tani and um, Pom Pom. It's going to be like those those five are are uh, you know not to discredit or disrespect anyone else, but they're definitely a, a cut above the rest. But then you have someone a newcomer like Nina that's strong as anything like gymnast background. When she develops more bike skills and racecraft, like like she's nuts, you know she's she's going to be hard to hold back. We're talking about Maribel could have won that, and she won too late in the year. I mean, she almost won more than more than Tracy, so she's got the most to gain, I think, and um, she's going to be a force to be reckoned with. And then, as you've said, Rachel, Miriam, Tana, and we're not taking away from anyone, but those three got hurt. And when all those three are healthy, we've got a proper five horse race here. And in previous years, it hasn't been that many. Let's just be be honest. And then Nina Hoffman got second at Leoking. That's early in the year when the when the girls were around. So, and then uh, Vidman as well. I mean, third overall in the World Cup. Yes, you can put an asterisk there, but I'm not going to do that because racing's racing. You've got to get down the hill, and this is going to help her confidence. So, it's it's looking healthy again for women's racing. Yeah, no, it's it's a deep, it's a deep, it's a deep field, and and it's like, you know, as the women's racing is getting better, the UCI like cuts them back, and they only have what is it like 15 qualified instead of 20, and um. Yeah, that's it. It doesn't make it any easier for them. They they they're not getting the support they should, and and you know more more teams should step up. And you know it's a it's a whole different topic, you know. But when I see big factory teams, just because you can't have the Tani or the Rachel doesn't mean you shouldn't support other girls. Like you know, like the Athertons, they have two women. They have at one point they had two juniors, one of which was a woman and elite women and two elite men like that's how you develop the sport you know you have two juniors um you have a mandatory elite woman and a male or two males so like you know obviously budgets don't allow for everyone to do that but if you're a you know if you're a, a trek and a specialized and a giant like and you don't have juniors and women that's like that's pretty sad yeah, it would be great if more people could help out. And even if that's, uh, yeah, budgets are tough and they're going to be even tougher now. I mean, uh, sponsors are going to probably cut some of these paychecks seeing that we're not racing, which everyone is in this together. And it'll be nice to see some juniors, even if they get bike and kit and some sort of expense. But, you know, there's red tape that we don't see. But development of yeah, riders have... is key because these riders all needed to be developed over the years. And now they're superstars of our sport. You need to get all these um, top 10 riders, Andrew. Now, right now, you do a quick poll. One question, are you getting a pay cut from COVID? 
and um, well, I can tell you, you now. Well, I can and, tell and you, you now. And, they are. And, and what do you have to do to like? And how much of a pay cut is it? And and what do you? Ha- and have you been put under pressure to do um, blogs, breaking windscreen of your cars, or uh, exercise channels? <laughs> exercise channels. No, that's brilliant. Uh, no, I mean I can tell you now. A lot of them are going to be feeling it. Everyone's feeling it. You're you basically yes, you're contracted, but you're a contract employee. And if if the company is making certain decisions overall to protect the company in the long run, you as an employee often are just forced to ride along, even if you feel it's unjust or not fair. But that's another topic for another day. Yeah, the year that maybe doesn't happen, or the year that takes a long time to get going. I mean, we can really go back and forth on when we think this can happen. But they're calling for Mount St. Anne being the first round, correct? Uh, Mount St. Anne won't happen. Like, it not, not officially, but I'm, I, it's not going to happen. But what I, about, I think, you know, I, like in other sports, I in PGA, so. NBA, they're talking about having no crowds there and, and having the, these races still happen. Yeah, but those a lot of those sports can exist solely from the TV budget. The TV budget's not filtering down to the local race organizer. The local race organizer relies on a lot of traffic and people, accommodation, food, vending, merchandise, uh, pit space. That affords them to pay the sanction fee and put on the race. Tour de France, uh, tennis, rugby, like, yes, you can have 20,000 spectators that are paying for a ticket, but that's not the big money coming in from the TV that's paying for all those sports because those are going to millions and millions of people. So, so no... Um, I, I, you know, I, I don't see that happening in that way. We'd have to be full open, big sporting events uh, if we could have any UCI racing. I, I could see rather something like the season being shortened and somewhere like Lenzerheide adds Daniel and it's not just cross-country this year because that's later in the season. They've come out and said they've cancelled their cross-country. So some riders, like, I mean, venues, if they're not going to be able to do it properly, they're going to have to cancel. And then We've got the weather problem. It's not like NBA that can push a season and you know find a yeah. court. Like yeah, yeah. We've got we've got resorts we go to, and there's a there's a weather window. It starts getting cold. It starts snowing. All those unfortunate I mean, things come into play. Yeah, the the series, the World Cup series winner this year is not going to be as important as the if if we get some racing in and you have between two and four World Cups, the series is not going to be as important. It will have definitely a big asterisk. That was the short season. But which, which on the flip side makes whoever's world champion this year, that's going to be literally the biggest um, honor of the sport. So, and it's, you know, a track like Leo Gang. Um, it's going to be exciting racing. It's going to be not necessarily, well, of course, the most skilled race is always going to win. But Leo Gang is, um, it's kind of like a specific type of track. So it's, it's a, a more... Um, yeah, so I think World Champs is going to be more exciting than ever before because of this year that's going to be curtailed. Um, you know, if not, we just give the world title to Mick and Tracy Henderson since they won the last major race. Yeah, well, I mean, you're only as good as your last race, and, and there you have it. Mick Hanna and, and Tracy think, Hanna winning the last international big event. And I think Eddie Masters has won the last big international enduro, the last two big national international enduro events, and is leading the EWS series. So, Eddie Masters is, um, yeah, that he, he gets the EWS title, well, the Enduro title, because it's um, not necessarily EWS. 
and Mick and Tracy. So I think everybody happy with that. Mick, Tracy, and Eddie. Yeah. Oh well, yeah. I mean they're they're great, great uh, advocates for the sport. So I'm I'm not against that. And before we um, wrap this up, I mean there's two ways of looking at some of these athletes are embracing it, having normal life. Yes, working on social media, getting a reset. And I mean, some, I think it's going to be tough to keep fit, mentally sharp and, and to that level. Some of them are really just going to have to forget about it. And then if you get a start date, keep somewhat personally fit. And then you're going to have to almost boot camp yourself like the boxers. They go into a training camp and you're going to have to really condense some of your riding. Because someone like Lloyd can't even ride his downhill bike. He's going to lose yeah, skill. That's... It comes back quick. But some other riders are allowed to ride their downhill bike. So someone like Loic, yeah. he's got to go into like a training camp and, and, and ride his downhill bike more than his fitness. And then other riders, you know, it's, but it's hard to keep motivated. And I can't wait to yeah. chat to some of the XC guys how they're doing it. Yeah, I mean, essentially, before the before the, the COVID situation made clear um, that we weren't going to be able to have the Olympics, the sporting governing bodies of the different countries, the, they were pushing for that postponement uh, to 21 for Olympics for that exact reason. It was because their athletes in their sports, had they, certain countries had different lockdown procedures and requirements and, and levels of lockdown. And athletes in, you know, like South Africa, Italy, France, Spain, um, you couldn't go ride your bike. You couldn't do, and you certainly couldn't do downhill. You know, other countries like New Zealand, you could ride your bike. Australia could ride your bike, but you know, you couldn't access ski lifts and all the rest. But you could stay active on your bike. So, so yeah, if World Cup racing had to start really soon, there would definitely be some countries that are at a disadvantage because it'll be like coming back from injury. Everyone else has been riding and is sharp and quick and snappy and and short twitch, and and you're not on race pace. So, um, so yeah, hopefully, you know, it's my first year off in since two thousand and something so um so yeah other than being completely unemployed um it's been it's been quite nice actually no and i think some of the riders will enjoy it try and normal life and then the younger ones are maybe definitely chomping at the bit to get going now it'll be interesting but we've already know that you you might only go in august so you can it's all we're in literally an off season it's 100 off season number two reset chill they're going to keep fit you have so much habit built into you you're probably going to end up still going to gym for fun i heard a lot of riders saying it's quite nice keeping fit or training just for myself for my lifestyle so that's going to happen these guys are not just going to get fat on the couch and then when you have an idea you reset with your trainer and you build backwards from in a potential date and it, and it's probably going to get moved a few times yeah i, I don't think august i think september if anything um yeah, and we'll see. Like New Zealanders are going to struggle to leave the country. Um, we definitely won't be able to come back if we do get out of the country. So we'll we'll see. That'll be interesting. I think it's a perfect way to wrap up. Thanks for all your time, Sven, and your insights. I think we'll have to make this a bit of a regular occurrence. Some tales from the race circuit, some bench racing, because we can't go racing. So thanks again. Bench racing. All righty. Um, yeah, and I think uh, the only other thing we didn't touch on is like, we might see no racing this year and you might have riders that got signed for a team for one year deals that don't even get to race on the team they signed for and are off the team because of financial reasons the following year. So that, that, that could be pretty sad for some, especially like I said, the young guys that are chomping at the bit and it's like they've, you know, this is their life goal and they're just starting out. It will be a, it will be really, really challenging for some of those teams and sponsors and some teams, 
there's money, certain amount of money that's spent that maybe can't get back, certain companies that don't rebound from from the economic uh, economy. Yeah. So, yeah, there might be less teams out next year. So there is a sad, sad potential for the future as well. So, yeah, brilliant point. And I think that's perfect way to wrap this up. So, yeah, thanks, Finn. I appreciate your time and uh, you stay safe and well out there. Yeah, the, the, the one good thing from the COVID, I think people have had time to reconnect and see what's important and, and health and exercise has been a huge one. And, and a lot of countries cycling, you know, they're not being encouraged to use their cars. It's walking, running, cycling. So the bike industry can, for some degree, um, the bike shops that have just reopened this week, they, they're they doing business and they servicing bikes. Yeah, there's going to be a lot of people that can't afford new bikes next year as the global economy is on the downturn. But cycling is one of the one of the big industries that you know will bounce back quicker than than others because it's it's a healthy discipline and and that's you know that's a good thing. Yeah, and that'll be the silver lining. Awesome, Svena. Thanks for your take, man. All right, Andrew. Wow, I think Sven and I could have easily chatted for hours on end there. Thanks so much for his time and his insight. I had a lot of fun going back and forth with him. Looking at what could have been in the 2020 season. We're on a big hold and who knows when we're actually going to go racing again. It is looking like September most likely. I'm sure we'll have Sven back on the show. Till next time guys, be sure to check me out on Apple, Spotify, or wherever else you find those podcasts. Give it a share, give it a rate, give it a like. Thanks so much for the support. I look forward to the next episode.